little bit, then bring me in. Let's go. Alright, alright. You can turn me up a little bit more in the headphones. MTA. Yeah. I got him like, he ain't leave college for this. One, two. Folks, what is happening with you? Welcome to a new episode of Foresight. Episode 40, by the way, this is Arden talking to you. It is currently May 8th, 2018, recording to you guys right now from the crib in the morning, 11.10 a.m. And I'm trying to figure out what I'm going to do after this because I have to go to a place known as work and I have clothes to wash. I have things to work on. So... I'm trying to fit everything in because I like being productive, especially when it's the beginning of the week. So Monday morning, I was pretty productive, went to work and I want to do the same thing on Tuesday because you know what it is? Real talk, man. Tuesday is like a least like day in the week. You know what I mean? So if I had to give you my top three favorite days, it's Thursday, it's Saturday and when football season's in play, it's Sunday. But when it's not, I'm going Thursday, Saturday, and Wednesday. That's right. Hold on a second. <laughs> Sorry about that. So those are my top three days, man. So Tuesday's not really up there, but I got to make sure Tuesday is right. But yes, once again, this is episode 40 of Foreside. Thank you for listening. Make sure you give us an honest review on iTunes and any other platform that you are taking in this content by Foreside. Follow us on Instagram, the Instagram page. We celebrated a, a pretty cool milestone yesterday. We have over 100 posts on that page. And that page is, I think, officially like a month old. So please follow us on Instagram at Foresight Pod. We have been slowly but surely growing. And of course, salute to my guy, Wills, for all he contributes to Foresight, being my great co-host, being a great friend, providing his insight being so damn funny when we talk about this music thing and and other topics as well man so let's go ahead and get into it i have a few things to talk about with you guys today and the first thing i i want to talk about is donald glover aka childish gambino's performance on saturday night live well let me rephrase that gambino not only performed on saturday night live but he was the host of saturday night live and it came on obviously last saturday and it was highlighted by the fact that before going into this episode, I think a lot of people who, who know about Childish Gambino and of course knew of the importance of Gambino doing Saturday Night Live, we was able to put two and two together and be like, all right, this is clearly a, a prime opportunity to premiere some new music because Gambino's last project um, Awaken My Love, that's basically what, a year and a half old, right? It's it's in that, you know, it's in that range in terms of age. So you can't just keep on playing Redbone over and over again. And you definitely can't play anything older than that, like because the internet or whatever the case may be. So we knew like, yo, this is opportunity <clears throat> to play new music, especially with the fact that he already had announced that he was going on tour in the fall, you know? And, and speaking of the Gambino tour, He's going on tour with Ray Shermerd and Vince Staples. I'm actually going to talk about Ray Shermerd later in the show. But uh, this was just a great opportunity for him to, pre- pre- to premiere new music 
of course, as the host, I thought Gambino did a good job. Uh, I mean, the guy is, you know, a, a, a accomplished and skilled actor. He's also underrated stand-up comedian. Like, that's the thing not many people know about, you know, Childish Gambino slash uh, Donald Glover is the fact that really before the music really took off, and even before he was really getting his props as an actor because he was on Community and stuff, he was a funny stand-up comedian. Like, he had a couple of stand-up specials um, via Comedy Central, whatever the case may be, and, and he was pretty damn funny. And I kind of wish he would do, like, one more stand-up special. Who knows? I'm, I'm going to speak that into existence. But the skits were good, but it was the music. And for the music, his first performance, he played his new single, This Is America. And right before he played This Is America, he actually dropped the video for it. And, and let me say this. I'm so happy that music videos are making a very strong comeback in this day and age. I'm, I'm very happy for that because when I discovered that Gambino did this, I like, of course, went to Apple Music, looked him up, and, and my personal section, because I already had him downloaded from his other work, duh, and I found This Is America. And as I'm listening to This Is America, and again, I haven't seen the video yet. I hadn't seen the video yet. Let me say that again. I remember listening to it for the first time and just going... I don't like this song. I just don't like it. I'm trying to have an open ear. I'm trying to be open-minded and I'm listening to it throughout. And I remember just thinking like, yo, I'm not really feeling this song. I'm happy you released new music, but I'm not really feeling the song. But that was until I saw the video right after because I was able to get the link to the video. And again, it's so important why music videos are making a comeback because music videos truly have the ability to one, change your opinion about a song because it can represent the song a lot better than the song itself. And two, it's just a matter of the perception, the, the visuals that you see. And, and for this video for This Is America, Gambino did such an incredible job just capturing and, and this is me trying to get in my intellectual bag here so so stick with me here I, I i just really believe that gambino did one heck of a job with this video capturing the united states of america through the lens of black people through people of color when you think about the opening scene him dancing, you know, shirt off, him having his hair the way it is with the growing out beard and those pants and shoes that he was wearing, it, it, it gives you a feel of, especially when the, we hear the production, right? The, him singing the way he is, the drums and all these instruments in the back, it gives you like a tribe, a tribal kind of feel, like there's a build up to something, like opening to a community, not the show, but opening to a community, to a tribe or wherever else. And then you see him pull a gun out from the back of his pants and shoot a dude in the head who's all tied up and maxed up. I, I really thought that was a was a great opening image to show because it represents America, right? That's that is a black another black man being shot and then just taken away, or that's a, a prisoner of war, what else is being shot and just taken away. And it just build it up throughout the course of the video. You know, him shooting down 
the, the black choir, which is obviously a reference to the Charleston shooting and any other time churches that have been in the black community have been victimized with violence. That goes into play. You just seeing this, what, just to talk about it from a positive perspective now, like the whole, just the dancing, you know, like him dancing and doing those moves with the kids and the timing of it and the setup, his swagger. There's just a lot of things to that video that even my current explanation can't really do it justice for, but I really felt like it captured a lot of stuff that was in regards to the state of the African, to, to the state of African Americans and the United States with how everything played out. And I really enjoyed the video. And, and that's why I've been saying that music videos are very important because music videos honestly represent the songs in the best way possible. And then it goes, oh, now it makes sense why this song is the song. I could think back to as recently as Nice For What by Drake. When I heard Nice For What, I remember just thinking, okay, this is like a cool, solid record. I'm going to like it, it's going to do well. But when you watch that video, and, and I think I talked about it on a, another episode uh, or two ago of Foresight, I, I said it, I was like, that video, elevated nice for what because of what it stood for it stood for women empowerment it, it stood for equality and unity in women because you had beautiful women of color you had beautiful white women you had beautiful women of just every you know descent and background and it was about empowerment it was about women looking like straight bosses and beautiful so i saw that video was like oh snap this is going to push it up even more than some top eight top ten record and i was right because guess what nice for what's been number one in the country for like the last four weeks and i feel like this is america is going to do the same thing but differently for gambino that video is so damn powerful and it's done so well that when you put it together with the song itself because if you just want to talk about the song itself again the production is dope but gambino's a genius because this dude is able to get background vocals from 21 savage young thug black boy jb from kodak black and those background vocals really hit especially when you're watching the video because the background vocals are in sync when he's doing those great dance scenes when he's just looking so tough and looking so strong that it's like yo this is what great execution musically looks like so i'm very, very happy for gambino and the second performance that he had is a song that i need to freaking i need it to be available right now then being on second performance, he was introduced by the beautiful Zoe Kravitz. I mean, oh my God. All right, let me not get distracted. But he was introduced by the beautiful Zoe Kravitz to perform the second song called Saturday. Saturday is not out. It's not out publicly. But this record is such a great soulful pop record that I need it out right now because it has to be a part of the spring summer playlist. It has to be a part of our lives for this spring and summer. It was so beautifully done. His voice as a singer is great. Just the way it's stretched out. And I just think with Saturday and when I think with This Is America, I think this next album by Gambino is going to be, you know, another step in this evolution of his sound. But I'm liking it because I think it's also gonna be him going back to his roots of just being a hip-hop R&B and soul guy. And I think that's dope because when I think about Because the Internet, Because the Internet was able to do a lot of those things that Gabino has been trying to do, experimenting, evolving the sound, 
hitting different points and it fulfilled my needs for good hip hop. It fulfilled my needs for good R&B. It fulfilled my needs for good pop and it fulfilled my needs for some good soul. And I, and I think if this upcoming album can do that, then his star is only going to rise and it could be his greatest album ever. And I feel like Gambino has a good catalog. Like, and, and my God honest opinion, I feel like Gambino has a good catalog. Like, you know what I mean? I think about Because the Internet. I think about Camp. I think about, you know, Awaken My Love, even though I didn't really like Awaken My Love as much, even though there was a few records I like. I think about his mixtapes. Like, Gambino's mixtapes, Stone Mountain, Kawhi, the joint that he did with, uh, no, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Stone Mountain was the first half that he did with DJ Drama, uh, Royalty. He just build up a nice catalog that does him well. So this next album with This Is America, with Saturday, if it comes out, and really with any other record, that if he's able to do it, I mean, oh my goodness. I mean, Gambino could really, really do some damage. And I'm definitely seeing him perform when he comes to Madison Square Garden in September. I am definitely going to see him perform. I'm definitely buying my ticket over the summer and I'm getting hype as hell to see him go and do his damn thing with Ray Shermer. Oh man, I love my life. <laughs> I really do. And another artist I have to see perform because this actually just came out like a little over an hour ago. I saw this on Twitter and I posted it on the Foresight page. Is Jay Cole's going on tour? And I wanted to talk about this a little bit because Obviously, KOD has been out. KOD has been successful so far. To me, it's Cole's best album ever. I've been playing it a lot. It's definitely part of my rotation. And J. Cole is going on a U.S. tour to start, and he's going with Young Thug. And it's like, yo, who's not spending money to see that, B? For real, like, you not going to go spend your money to see that? I got to spend my bread to see that. Cole and Young Thug together? God damn, that's going to be wavy. Oh, man, salute to Cole, man. And, I, and, I, and I'm already seeing on Twitter how people are like, yo, Cole's smart for doing that, bringing Thug on tour, because it's going to show that, you know, he's not necessarily hating on those that do the whole mumble rap thing or this, that, and the third, because people are still, hop, are still hot over that 1985 record, right? You know, 1985, I arrived. And, and Mans was giving some great advice to, to Lil Pump and the other little rappers. But I really like this tour idea. I definitely have to see him perform. And I, and I just really wanted to give a quick touch on that. Because I also want to talk about right now um, the new Travis Scott record that's been out for a few days called Watch, featuring Lil Uzvert and uh, Kanye West. And it's funny about going into another artist's world, like another artist's world, because obviously uh, I've known of Travis Scott for quite some time. I'm a Travis Scott fan. His last couple projects have done pretty well to me. Like I've listened to them quite a bit. They have high replay value because of the fact that I have listened to it quite a bit. But when you go into another artist's world, it means to, it, it means to seeing okay, what does this mean? Why does it mean that way? How does his or her fans react? You notice that like Travis fans are just dying waiting for like a list to come out that was supposed to come out. So it's things like 
Astro World. It's things like some other joint, like Days Before the Rodeo or whatever, right? Like again, like I'm not in Travis's world enough to know, but I know Astro World has been something that Travis Scott fans have been dying to hear, and they want badly. So I'm I'm very curious because if Astro World is indeed the next project, right? And like I said, I think Travis's last couple projects have done good. You know, I think about you know. Birds in the Trap sing Brian McKnight and then the other one that came out it's I'm, I'm very curious to f- see again where he's going in this direction musically because a lot of artists these day and age especially when you're part of a sound that's just growing so fast and so rapidly and everybody wants to use it you can start sounding you know a bit dull you could you could you could not sound as unique as you did beforehand and Travis to me I think has to bounce back because that project that he had with Quavo that came out, what was it, earlier this year, right? I think it would be earlier this year, maybe last year, I don't know, but it just wasn't good. And I'm not even saying it from the standpoint of Travis's performance being like less than stellar or whatever. It's just, I just didn't think it was a good project. I think it was one of the worst projects of the year. I haven't revisited that project since listening to it for the first time. I'm being completely serious. I haven't listened to that project since it came out on that night. But I feel like with Astroworld and I feel like with this record watch, it is a good start. It is a good start because it is a dope record. You know, when I was listening to this record the first couple times, I was like, you know, the production's hard. Uzi does his thing on the hook. They're talking about watches. They're talking about the faces of the watch and yada, yada, yada. And Travis comes in on the second slot. But the only person whose verse was really standing out to me was Kanye's. Kanye's verse was standing out to me a lot because I thought Kanye bodied it. I thought he really got in his bag and was just executing. He was executing so damn well. And he was just making it look too easy. It was like, okay, yeah, we get it. Like, you nice. You, you one of the goats regardless of all of the controversy and the backlash he's been receiving lately for his comments. But the more I listen to it again, Uzi's verse, I liked, along with the hook. Travis did his thing. And that's a record that, again, should be a good first step for Astroworld. And if Astroworld is the project that can define Travis, it's it's interesting to say the least. It's very interesting to me to just think like, hey, like this, this project could be what defines Travis. Because again, I feel like Travis has already done a good job. You know what I mean? Like Travis has already like put things together. Like I'm looking through my uh I'm looking through my music right now just so I could try to get Travis's profile up so I could look at these records that I really liked of him and I feel as if like yo, I've probably liked a great portion of his albums. You know what I mean? And for some reason I can't find Travis Scott on my Apple Music and I listen to Travis Scott. This is out of control. Okay, so I got it. Once again, I'm, I'm looking, and I and like I said, freaking Birds in a Trap, dope record. Dark Knight, Dumbo. Salute to my boy, uh, salute to my boy uh, Jason for telling me about that record, because I listened to that record and I loved it. But yeah, Birds in a Trap, Sing McKnight, thought that was pretty dope. The project that came out beforehand, Rodeo, that was really dope to me. I've played that record a lot of times and that record has been pretty popular on my damn phone i'll tell you that so i think he could really do some big stuff with this upcoming album i think so so i I really hope that he does his thing on that 
hope that he follows up and it's a pretty good first step another new project i was listening to that i've actually decided to talk about was is was a uh, sherm three by 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 ray shermer you know it was the three disc project and and, and i can't lie yo if, if, if ray shermer was stock i was buying a lot of their stock because i was blown away by the music you know what i mean sway lee solo records was hitting and I even got to give Slim Jimmy credit, man. Slim Jimmy has some dope records as well that came together. And when I listened to this project, when I listened to this project, and they did it in terms of like, yo, 27 records. You got nine from, obviously, Ray Shermert as a group. And you have nine from Sway Lee. And you got nine from Slim Jimmy. I will say, and this may come off as a surprise, I think... Ray Shermer's first nine records were better than the solo tracks. Because when it comes to Sway Lee, and, and I like Sway Lee, and I know Sway Lee's very talented, but he can get very repetitive, and I think when it comes to him as a solo artist, he's going to have to work on his own evolution in terms of his sound, in terms of his voice, and how he could go about talking about the things he's talking about. Because Yes, there's records that I do like. You know, I'm looking at my phone right now. Heartbreak and, and Chino Hills, I liked. Heat of the Moment's dope. Guatemala's solid. Hurt to Look is my favorite record. But all of those records are like within the same neighborhood. You know what I mean? And then when you have the records that you're not going to like, it's kind of like, eh, again, this is too repetitive. You're trying to reach for something that you really can't reach. For Slim Jimmy, I would say for Slim Jimmy, I didn't really like a good portion i'm not even gonna say i didn't like a good portion there was a portion of those records that just sounded it just didn't sound album quality to me it's like why is this on the album like this this doesn't fit yeah you recorded it but why did you even put that out there but some of the records i did like i liked I like i love brink's truck brink's truck has been hidden when i work out in the gym I love Keep God First. I thought that was cool. But I really believe that as a group, their best tracks was there. You know what I mean? Like Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, Up In My Coina, like Close With Travis. That, those records, their first nine records, the first third of this project was good to me because it was more diverse in terms of the sound. It was more diverse in terms of the sound. And the features also worked. You know, Future worked, Travis worked, Juicy J worked. But when it came to their solo songs, when it came to their solo endeavors, I would say they were solid. You know, definitely a, 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 a knock above average. But it wasn't mind-blowing. It wasn't like, oh my God, this is like incredible stuff. Man, I would love to hear a full-length solo project from these guys. Like, no, I, I think I would take them as a group still. But I commend them for the effort that they did made and trying to go ahead and, and make it work with this type of packaging. And, and, I, and I don't have regrets listening to this. Again, at least I wasn't somebody or anybody that actually had the nerve to listen to 57 songs with Chris Brown, which I still haven't done to this day. And I'm extremely proud of the fact that I haven't done it because there's no way in hell I'm listening to 57 songs, especially for Chris Brown. And Chris Brown's a legend. You don't got to tell me twice, but I'm not doing it. I'm not motherfucking doing it. Not at all. Hell to the no. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. 
And you know what? Here's another thing I want to tell you guys about. I hope you guys have been taking the whole Kanye thing, this whole Nas and Khalees thing, and starting putting together the fact that, look, regardless of all the music that you take in by him, regardless of all the interviews you may have watched, whatever it is, you do not notice people as well as you think you do. Because all it is is just portions, not even portions, it's just sneak peeks and whatever that we get to see of them, especially in their personal lives. But you don't know them. Like, you really don't. It doesn't matter. Oh, man, I've listened to his album for, for so many years. I've seen all the interviews. It's like, you don't know these people at all. All you're going to do is let yourself down over and over when something comes out. That's why I'm just a big believer of whoever you became a fan of, just be a fan. Just support them through the music. Like, you don't need to be doing all of this, oh, man, acting like you know this person and know that person. I don't think it makes sense. I'm going to keep it real with you, Chief. I don't think it makes sense. Not at all. Why? Why? I don't know. Like, why do you guys do this all the time? Like, I just don't get it. I really don't. Like, I really don't. It's just be fans and pay attention to them and know them for what you know them by. Please, I'm begging you. It will change your life. It will save your life. So you're not feeling disappointment or whatever the case may be. It's just don't do it. It's, I don't like it. Don't. There's people who have truly impacted my life in sports and music that for as much as, yeah, I may feel like I know them, I know as well like I don't know them. I know them well through the context of what I know them by. And that's just what it is. It's like you just can't do that because if you keep doing that, you're going to keep disappointing yourself and you don't need that much disappointment in your life considering what's already happening. It's like, why? You don't need to do that. You got to learn. You have to learn. It doesn't make sense. It's not worth it. I mean, my dude Dave Chappelle said it best when he was talking about freaking celebrity worship, for example. What was it? It was on his... uh, it was on his a comedy special, yeah, for what it's worth, like 14 years ago, right? When he made a great joke about it when talking about 9-11's happening. They're on an episode of TRL, and they're talking about, oh, man, we got Ja Rule on the phone. He's like, man, ain't nobody trying to listen to Ja Rule. I'm scared to death. Where is Ja? <laughs> Call me Ja Rule. I need Ja. Like, come on, it's foolish. What, what else is foolish? You want to talk about transition is this whole thing about Rihanna and Drake and let me say this I am not speaking from the view of a Drake fan I am not I am speaking strictly from the view of a writer from the view of somebody that has you know what I mean interviewed people I'm speaking from that view only and that's the only view that matters so Rihanna was interviewed by Vogue recently and Vogue did this piece about her, right? Basically like a day in the life, you know, uh, piece about Rihanna, especially because a lot of things are popping for Rihanna right now, right? She's she's killing the game right now when it comes to her whole makeup. Um, she's releasing her lingerie line really soon. I think, what is it, like this week, right? And of course, musically, we're anticipating new music. She's always done her thing in new music. 
So it's kind of like, yo, why not? Do, why not do this piece? Why not go ahead and just show a day in the life, right? Especially because Rihanna is Rihanna thirty now, or is she about to turn thirty. So I'm reading this piece, and this piece is good. You know, I'm reading it. It's, it's a dope piece. Once again, day in the life. You see how Rihanna's relaxed. You see how she's more focused. The author has some some pretty cool moments with Rihanna, and then they start talking about Rihanna being in this. You know, being this person who is usually in pop culture moments. And they bring up the whole thing about her at the VMAs when she won like the Vanguard Award or the Vanguard Award or whatever it's called, no disrespect. And Drake was the one that like presented the war tour and he, and he gave her that speech. And it was crazy to me because during the article, it was brought to my attention that that happened two years ago. And I was like, holy crap, that happened two years ago? Not even two years ago. That happened a year and a half ago? Drake at the 2016 VMAs giving that speech about Rihanna, talking about how he loved her since this and that and all of that stuff. Like, that was really a year and a half ago? And that scared me because I was like, God damn, that just shows what our generation is at these days, man, because things happen so fast. This is the age of the internet. This is the age of information. Our attention span, we don't stay on things for so long. It's We take it in, we talk about it, and then we dip. And I was like, whoa, a year and a half ago? But that wasn't really the big point. Um, the big point was I didn't like that portion of the interview slash piece because I felt like it disrupts the flow of the article. And I also feel as if like, Vogue and, and whoever that writer is did that because you know like this is the juicy piece this is what's going to have people keep coming back this is what's going to be talked about a lot and I just feel like yo it's freaking Rihanna she's red hot always has been and to be honest always will be so to like put that part in there to ask her about Drake and you got what you wanted, right, as, as a writer and as a staff where you know you got the juicy headline. Rihanna's no longer friends with Drake. Rihanna uh, was uncomfortable when Drake gave the speech and yada yada. And it, and it bothered me because it's like, yo, I really just went through like 80 to 85% of this article and this is what you put in and now that's the focus. And it may have only been like a paragraph but it's like this one paragraph to me engulfs and outshines the rest of the story. And the rest of the story is a damn good story that should be focused on and talked about. But it did make for some fun content on Twitter. <laughs> it made for a fun time on Twitter to talk about. I mean, heck, even I talked about it. Because I really just thought about Drake and Rihanna again. And I was just like... It, it wasn't that serious, B. Like, it wasn't that serious between Drake and Rihanna when, we, when you think about what was their romance. Like, it was a romance between two people who are just incredibly hot in terms of status and really incredibly hot in terms of, you know, other things, a physical appearance to each their own when it comes to that, right? And they were just romantically linked. They definitely did some things together. They were definitely... I guess you could say serious at times they were together and, and they were very romantic, but it's also had been some time, again, a year and a half since that VMAs moment, at least a year and a half since we've really seen them 
do anything together, right? Because there was a stretch where, you know, especially when work came out, right? Where they were performing with each other all the time, that record. They were on stage having those moments where Rihanna's dancing on Drake and he's catching it back. And it was just like, yeah, but that feels so long ago. And it's just one of those things where it's like, I don't know. I, I, I think some of the conversation that happened on Twitter after that was kind of make it, try to change what their relationship was like. Drake was a side or Rihanna was a side. And it's like, nobody was a side. There were just two people who were attracted to each other. They were very romantic. They had their moments, but it was nothing more than that. Like, Drake is a player. Drake has a ton of women. Drake uses women. Just like, I believe, honestly, like, low-key, Rihanna uses a lot of men. And she's a player in her own right. She's a savage. Like, I know she's apparently with, with uh, I guess, a businessman from Saudi Arabia. But beforehand, and, and after her relationship with Chris Brown, I definitely believe privately and publicly Rihanna is a player and... And, and has her choice of dudes. Hell yeah. It's Rihanna. She's she's from the island. She's an island girl. She got those eyes, that that body now. She And she's smart. Like, she knows. So I don't think it was ever that serious. And I remember I made a joke saying, look, I'm always going to appreciate Rihanna because she definitely provided my boy Drake with some great inspiration for these records. But we all know what happened after. Drake messed around and lost to J-Lo and became more lit. Am I lying or am I telling the truth? Last time I checked, I'm telling the truth. You feel me? Drake lost to J-Lo and became more Liddy McGritty. <laughs> You've seen the results since losing to J-Lo. We may all have to lose a J-Lo in order to get what we want in life. I'm keeping it a stack. We all may have to lose a J-Lo in order to get what we want in life. But in all seriousness, though, just to wrap this up again, from the view of a writer himself as the view of a person who's interviewed people made these pieces i just felt like that whole drake tidbit didn't fit if i was an editor i'm gonna keep it real with you for as much as you can look and be like well that's not that's why you're not an editor that's why you couldn't work at a big time spot or whatever i just would have been like is this really necessary because this story with how you've been writing it and what you put together is already a damn good story and we already have a more than relevant person that's going to carry the story and give us the attention regardless and rihanna is such an interesting person that even the other stuff that was talked about in the story her not being as big of a partier anymore uh her trying to maintain a great work balance relationship not relationship but a great work uh a work damn it what is it work life balance that's what it is possibly being a mother like seeing herself as a mother like those tidbits to me make for great pieces as well to share to the world and for the world to talk about and decipher the whole drake thing to me was kind of like nah man y'all you guys you guys reached you guys reached in a mug because you know that was gonna get you some attention and it did and i talked about it and we all talked about it and jokes was made so hey they got what they want i have a couple more topics for today and this is actually me re-recording this episode because um i recorded yesterday and i just didn't feel as if it was good enough and who knows maybe this is not good enough i can't wait to record with wolves again i can't wait to record with people again i love that dynamic of recording with people but i also know that we need to keep our visibility up so that's why i'm recording this but uh there is something that happened with bryson tiller 
where Bryson Twil- uh, Bryson Tiller uh, shared with the world that he was he was fighting depression, and 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 it made for. I think it made for you know an interesting moment to take in because Bryson Tiller we as we know has been quiet lately you know he's been pretty quiet for quite some time now since True to Self came out since his tour I actually had the chance to see him perform last September at Raider City Music Hall and her opened up for him and uh, I'm just gonna read these tweets because the big the big part of this is when Bryson quote tweeted the initial tweet. But the initial tweet was from somebody who said, Tiller's last album was good and y'all got him depressed, shaking my head. And he posts two screenshots of Tiller in a conversation with two fans. So I'm going to read to you. Tiller tweets, almost halfway through the year. How you doing on the goals you set for yourself? A fan responds back. Man, nobody want to hear that. It's halfway through the year and you haven't dropped anything, bruh. Like I said before, you show no loyalty to your fans. Tiller responds back, wrong. I love them. Just trying my hardest not to disappoint like I did before. Then another fan responds, you fell off. Bryson says, facts. Fan responds back again, at least you know it. It happens, Tiller says. I'll figure it out, though. But what's good? You make beats? Dude goes back, yeah. Tiller finishes it and says, word, I need some fire. Help me get back up to where you once thought I was. This is already very interesting to me. It's very interesting to me already off off top. Because, actually, you know what? I don't even want to give my thoughts on it yet. Because now let me read what Bryson tweeted on top of that tweet. Because he did a quote tweet. And he gives three reasons. He says, number one, I was depressed before I made that album. And you can hear it in the music. Number two, statistically, we didn't do that great because of it. And number three, depression ended in in 2017, and I've been working hard ever since. Stay tuned. Now, I'm going to give my thoughts. I will say for one, it is very brave, and it is very commendable of Bryson Tiller to share with the world that he's battling depression, or he was battling depression. Salute to him on that, and I hope that he he has the strength and he's has taken valuable lessons that he may have learned during that time of his life where he was battling depression. And number two, and this is really my main point of of my thoughts here. I never thought true to self was bad. Like I, I never thought it was. Like I never thought true to self was bad. Like even when I remember when Wills and I was talking about True to Self, and this was a few episodes ago, because this is around the time Tori's album dropped, right? Memories Don't Die. And I still feel as if Memories Don't Die was a, was, a, was a very good album. And I thought, yes, that was better than True to Self. And how Tori at the moment may be better than Bryson, but True to Self wasn't a bad album. I just think what happened to Bryson was, bro, when you drop your first project and your first project is Trap Soul and for this day and age Trap Soul is without a question a classic that really changed the game and it really changed lives you happen to just set the expectations up way high for you and I'm not saying that like that's a bad thing I'm just saying like that was just honestly the case Trap Soul came out 
Trap Soul is really a classic in this day and age, man. In terms of the moments it created, the feelings that it captivated from people, what it did on social media, the captions, the tweets, all of that stuff. Like, you play Trap Soul right now in front of a group of people, people are going to sing basically all of those records, whether it's a don't, whether it's an exchange, whether it's Rambo, whether it's any of those records. So I feel as if it, it wasn't a matter of true to self being bad because true to self, I will commend Bryson by saying this, true to self was definitely Bryson trying to expand the sound. Cause even before true to self came out, he had a couple records in which definitely sounded a bit different than before. He had the uh, honey record, right? And the honey record might have been a record when he was like, don't tell me you're the lost baby, you're the lost baby. Sorry for the terrible voice. I think it might have been that record or another record, but he had a couple records. Oh, he had a record with Thugger. He had a record with Thugger, and then he had the record Honey. And I was like, okay, sound like he's doing something a little different here. I thought True to Self was different. I thought True to Self, for the most part, was, was original. I think my only criticism with True to Self was he had a record on there that sounded a bit much like Drake. And that was the Run Me Dry record. That's why I thought it was like, okay, this is clearly a Drake impersonation here. The I think she loved me, the cadences and all of that stuff. But I never thought True to Self was bad. And it surprised me that he says that. I just think, again, it's when you release such a great project your first time out, expectations are so damn high that it's like, wow, how can you really follow that up? And for some folks, because again, because Trap Soul was so damn good or so damn great, they heard True to Self and thought like, oh man, this is like a big step back. This is trash. But I didn't think it was trash. Like I still think back to when I went to see him perform last September, True to Self sounded great live. A lot of those records hit. And then I think for Bryson, it's, it's a matter of, I don't think Bryson's to take a step back. I don't think that's what it is. I don't think it's about, oh, let me take a step back and try to recreate Trap Soul. I think it's a matter of, it's really a, it's really a matter of, let me say that again, making sure you're in the right space mentally and knowing why you're doing this and what you're doing it for or who you're doing it for. And if he can do that, he'll be just fine. He really will. Like Bryson is such a talented artist and already has a fan base and has success that it's really a matter of that. You know what I mean? And guess what? A lot of other artists, their careers will be different too if their quote unquote best project would have been released first. If Kendrick would have came out firsthand and dropped a To Pimp a Butterfly or what some people feel is his best album damn first, things would be different. If Drake drops a Take Care or Nothing Was the Same first, things would be different. If J. Cole drops KOD or 2014 Forest Hills drops first, things would be different. And that's what Bryce is going through. He dropped freaking Trap so first and it hit so damn hard that it's like, yo, literally nothing's the same. But I really hope Bryson is recovering just fine. I hope he's in a better space. I hope he's recording some good music. I can't wait to hear from him. But I honestly thought that was like very interesting to, to see and read. I really thought it was. And I have one more topic to talk to you guys about before I dip and try to continue with my day and whether or not I want to wash these clothes or just get lunch and do some other stuff. I really don't know, B. But um, Trippy Red... <laughs> And 6ix9ine, once again, had a back and forth and was beefing. And I just really don't know why. 
Because it seems as if the back and forth was about credit. Giving credit where credit is due. Trippy Red feeling like, oh man, I helped out six nine. I helped you and six times being like, man, I didn't help you didn't help me, you didn't do whatever. And I just feel like it comes down to this. It's not a big deal if somebody helped you. You dig what I'm saying? Like it's not a big deal. If somebody actually helped you, even if you even if you were meant, let me let me rephrase it. Even if you were already meant to be on the path that you're on, if somebody helped you, if somebody actually put the time in and made a difference in your life. Why is it a big deal for them to get that acknowledgement? Acknowledging that somebody helps you is different than going or somebody saying, yo, you was put on by that person. Put on is, a, is, a, is not a good thing to say. Put on is, is something that definitely would draw a reaction and rightfully so. Because it's like, yo, you thinking that that's, this person made me? Like this person is just all responsible for putting me in this position like he discovered me? And it's like, no. Help is different. Trippy Red, yes, Trippy Red did help 6ix9ine. Even if 6ix9ine was already meant to be in, in the position that he's in today. And I just feel like, man, a lot of people want help, take help, and then you're not paying back the help. You're not acknowledging the help. And it's like, don't do that. We already have enough problems with people helping out others, and it's not coming from a genuine place, and it's coming from a place of, oh, man, I know by me doing this, I could get this and that, and he or she has to pay me back. It's like, no. We already deal with that. If somebody helped you, whether it was small or big, thank them. Acknowledge that they did. They helped along the way. Even if you did a great majority of the work, they still helped you behind. Don't fight over it. Don't take it public. It's like, what's wrong with y'all, man? For real. That's what I hate, man. That's honestly all I have to say is, because I'm not going to spend time talking about Trippy Red and 6 9 Like, I'm not going to do that. Not saying that because I'm hating them. I don't. I like their music, but it's stupid to me. But yeah, that's episode 40 of Foresight, man. Thank you for listening. Uh, sorry for a couple stumbles along the way. Sorry for background noise. I'm recording this in my living room with the windows open because I needed a breeze in here and it feels great. Hopefully, this is like the last of me doing solo episodes. Hopefully, Wills and I can get back together and record some episodes. Wills has been very busy working and getting that money. You dig me? Um, and hopefully... These, these other interviews that we've been planning and lining up comes to fruition because, trust me, we got some good guests coming on the show if we could finalize it. Some really good stuff that's going to take us to the next level, man. But yeah, I'm just, I just wanted to record just because, again, this is stuff that needs to be talked about in a very appropriate range of time to keep our visibility up. And again, before I sign off, make sure you give us an honest review iTunes, wherever the case may be. Make sure you follow us on Instagram at Pod, F-O-U-R Side Pod. And of course, as I'm signing off, man, there's a dude who made it cool for us to cover our mouths as we take pictures. This is a dude who made it cool to wear black glasses inside any establishment that you're at. This is a dude who, when you threw your hat in the air, you wish that it didn't come down. So in the words of the, of the legendary Bobby Schmurter, who's holding his head up and 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 the, the, the sales right now free routing him as well. I I I. I talk to you guys next time. Later.